Welcome into another episode of the Young Turf Podcast. I'm Ed Kafir and Mason Viner this week, taking a look ahead at the Turf's next opponent, the Michigan State Spartans, and we'll start off uh, on that note, Ahmed. A lot of turmoil in East Lansing this week. Mel Tucker, uh, given not actually fired, but given the intent that the university uh, will fire him, he issued a response to that today. And uh, on to the interim coach, the Spartans are. Yeah, uh, obviously it's, uh, I guess you could say, the best time to play Michigan State or it could be the worst after, especially after uh, losing to Washington 41-7 to last week at home. Um, but yeah, obviously, like you said, just a lot of turmoil there. A um, lot to, to kind of digest in the program to kind of see what the long-term direction is, but uh, whether the short-term direction, uh, how that goes. Obviously, I think everyone's kind of looking at this weekend and see whether they can bounce back or not. You know, potential bounce back and maybe, you know, salvage and say, hey, you know, maybe we have something to play for this year. Or Maryland, if they come out in their first road test and are kind of able to take care of the take care of some things, maybe they can uh, send the Spartans spiraling. Yeah, and let, let's talk football first when it comes to Michigan State. We'll start off with the offense led by redshirt junior quarterback Noah Kim in his first year starting for the Spartans. Um, road as, as of this far up until last week, it, it looked pretty good in, in wins over Central Michigan and Richmond. Yeah, obviously, you know, he's a guy who came from Westfield High School out in Virginia. Um, he, kinda, he was able to kind of generate some momentum in the first two weeks and then obviously kind of ran into a wall there last week. But uh, I think he'll kind of be able to propose a little bit of a threat to Maryland. I think Maryland's done, you know, had had some difficulties, especially in contained with some dual threat guys. And Noah, you know, he can use his legs a little bit. So uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see how, how that defense, especially the front seven, uh, how they're kind of able to adjust, uh, adjust on for Saturday afternoon. Yeah, when looking into Michigan State as a whole, um, it's it's really kind of a tough team to judge at this point. They came out obviously needing to basically revamp the entire team. I mean, Mel Tucker came in his first year, brought in a ton of guys out of the portal, immediate success. Then last year went the exact opposite way of that. And and one of the keys that you know all the preview articles talk about, if you go back and read them from from the beginning of the season, one it was quarterback controversy coming into the year. And then second, it was like if they go with Noah Kim, you know, everybody wanting to finally find a guy that can kind of be the long term fix or at least, you know, two, three year fix for Michigan State at quarterback. That's what they're looking at there. And then can they get back to running the ball like they did when they had Kenneth Walker and that not been the case so far for the Spartans? Yeah, obviously, like you said, you know, they come into the weekend uh, with the second worst run offense in the Big Ten. Obviously, they're led by uh, Nate Carter there, who ironically still sits third in the Big Ten with uh, just over 90 yards rushing per game. Uh, but yeah, like we said, you know, we saw how, you know, what Virginia – uh, last week, you know, we kind of expected Virginia's rushing offense to struggle after posting 18 rushing yards on 35 carries, along with three TDs against James Madison week before. And then, you know, early on, Virginia was kind of able to establish some some stuff early. So uh, I think, you know, Carter is going to be the name to know uh, in that. Uh, and then obviously when you look at Noah Kim, obviously he isn't the most experienced. Obviously, Talia uh, would definitely be one of the most experienced, if not the most experienced uh, in the Big Ten. So I think Maryland's kind of going to be able to to, to kind of take advantage of Noah Kim a little bit, uh, maybe get creative with some of their blitz packages, how they, um, you know, disguising their coverages, things like that. Uh, and, you know, if they're kind of able to shut down Carter, you know, then you make that Spartan offense one dimensional. Yeah, and then, you know, rounding out the weapons for them. A couple of really good receivers so far this season for Michigan State. They missed a reliable Trey Mosley, who leads the team in receptions but not yards. And then Fitzpatrick, who, who's a vertical threat for them. But, again, when you look at the only opponent that's even close to, to Maryland's skill set being Washington, who's in the top ten right now, 
the, the table pretty much flipped on this offense, 141 yards passing. Uh, I think it was somewhere around 50 yards rushing last week. So um, as the coach of or the interim coach of Michigan State, Harlan uh, Barnett said today, they got to come out with a much more disciplined approach this week of practice. He already acknowledged, you know, some of the turmoils kind of ease that they, they, they're in life without Mel Tucker at this point. So it really kind of a toss up opponent, but a lot of people really think Maryland's going to take it to Michigan State. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I think the big thing, obviously, you mentioned, obviously, Fitzpatrick, Glover, uh, and Mosley there. I think the, the weird thing is that they do combine for uh, one receiving touchdown on the year. Uh, Michigan State kind of sits in the middle of the pack so far through the first three weeks, obviously, with Washington really bringing that, that average down. But um, like you said, I, I think really this weekend really comes down to and I hate to say it because I know it does sound like a cliche, but it's really versus Maryland versus Maryland uh, on that one. Uh, I think, you know, if Maryland's really able to kind of execute, uh, if they're kind of not able to, you know, just kind of be the better team, I think, you know, kind of that's what everyone is expecting. And I think that's kind of why we saw like, the opening line went from uh, Maryland minus four to I think I saw seven and a half now. So um, definitely swung. So I think uh, I was talking about it actually on Sirius Big Ten Radio. I think, you know, just kind of Maryland being able to cover um, I think that that's kind of the main thing there. But um, when you look at Michigan State's offense, I think when, when you know, Virginia's offense, obviously they were able to kind of uh, find some success a week ago. Uh, I believe they had a receiver with nine catches, uh, 150 some yards uh, against Maryland. So, you know, the, the secondary definitely has some work to do, obviously. Where Braid will come back this weekend, uh, as expected, you know, uh, he was named the game captain as well. So um, definitely, definitely some pieces that, you know, Maryland can use to kind of shut down the Spartan offense. Um, and I expect them to. I think this Maryland defense has been able to show enough uh, that, that you know, on paper, again, you know, this 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 defense is better than Spartans. So, um, so we'll we'll see. Like you said, it's, it's a little bit tougher to judge. You know, you never know how to tell. I think it was interesting that Loxley talked about it today at the podium. Um, you know, he took over Maryland back in 2014 uh, when Randy Edsel was fired and he credited having a bye week to maybe, you know, uh, come to terms, compress and, and kind of, you know, realize, you know, right, this is the new situation. And then the following week they had that Penn State game. Um, you know, Michigan State didn't really have that. They lost their coach. They went into the turmoil and they played one of the top 10 teams in the country. So, um, like you said, uh, I think that, you know, Michigan state, they do have some pieces, uh, Maryland should be able to, uh, shut down this Michigan state offense stuff. Yeah. And talking about the Spartans on defense, that's where I think they definitely have some good pieces and, and have shown it this year, a team with that comes into this week, 25 tackles for loss on the season already has 10 sacks, not necessarily, a, they haven't forced a ton of turnover, two interceptions, this year, they've only recovered one one fumble, so they forced three turnovers uh, on the season so far. But Spartans they've definitely shown, even last year, they can still bring it on defense when they were struggling. Yeah, you know, again, the Jacoby Wyman, you know, he's another guy in that front seven. Um, the Spartans do have that threat. Um, I think it'll be really interesting. You know, we've kind of talked about Maryland's offensive line. Um, you know, what's going to be the, the dynamic, what kind of looks like uh, the, the final five. Um, obviously, you know, got got, got Yedzi back last week, um, and he played, you know, both right tackle, right guard. Um, so, you know, Maryland hasn't really been shy, obviously, trimming down the rotation uh, from week one into week three. Uh, but I think this Michigan State defense in that front seven does post enough of the threats. And obviously, entering the weekend, sitting second in the Big Ten, um, you know, they've been able to prove that they're going to be probably Maryland's first real test. Uh, and I think this is going to be possibly how Talia responds. Uh, I think a lot of people were looking at, you know, Talia as the decision making. Does that take the next step, you know? 
if Maryland's protection, if it holds up, that's a good sign. But if it doesn't, how does Talia respond? How does the passing game adjust? Does the running game, are they able to maybe adjust and, you know, get out in space? Uh, you know, God is able to find a little bit ways. So, again, I think it all goes back to, you know, Michigan State's defense and that front seven, uh, that defensive line, Jacoby Wyman, you know, all these guys uh, really kind of being able to be a factor for them. Yeah, and we'll talk about the Terps on offense here in just a couple of minutes. Last last topic on the Michigan State side has to be just a turmoil in the situation. We've already, uh, you almost can't talk about this team and program in this game without talking about what is going on with Michigan State. Ahmed, rumors circling around over the last week that some players may be opting out, deciding to leave the team, jump ship early for the portal. What do you make of the Michigan State situation? And, and you know, is it just another symptom of the current landscape of college football? Yeah, I think obviously, you know, um, you know, I think you know, kind of like we talked about, just kind of being able to um, kind of bring everyone together, you know, getting complete buy-in, um, completely normal, um, you know, especially – not all that stuff has to be, you know, public and whatnot, but, you know, for, for the coaches to kind of be internally dealing with, you know, players just having that buy-in. Um, again, it just kind of goes back to that Michigan State team and kind of really being tough to, to, to judge. Um, obviously, Michigan State, you know, you look back at the summer, they lost two really big keys, two big key pieces, uh, and Keon Coleman, Peyton Thorne, uh, back-to-back, essentially, um, and this offense has really kind of had to adjust. So um, not, not sure that they're going to be able to kind of – uh, swallow really many more big big departures like that, but it'll be kind of interesting to see uh, what kind of develops into Saturday. Yeah, just a little bit about the man that will be wearing the number one headset for Michigan State is Harlan Barnett, former uh, big-time safety for Michigan State, spent some time in the NFL six seasons, and he's been around this Michigan State program uh, a long time, not only as a player, but as a coach. He was with the Spartans for 11 years between uh, 2007 and 2018 when he left the last two years he spent as a co-defensive coordinator the rest of the time he was anywhere between a cornerback safety and secondary coach uh, under Mark D'Antonio who will also be on the sideline with him this weekend then had he headed over to Florida State where he's a defensive coordinator under Willie Taggart for two years he mentioned in his press conference which I mean he just stood on the podium today and and, and took it on the chin 30 minute press conference for a Tuesday coach in the Big Ten you don't see that very often uh, but he talked about that situation, how he was, you know, kind of went through that at Florida State. He was not the interim guy at Florida State, but how he kind of saw that firsthand. And really, you know, a lot of the same things you heard Michael Oxley say when he took over the program at Maryland, especially as an interim guy. He wants to bring, you know, kind of the pride of Michigan State football back, wants his team to play disciplined and and really understand that they still have something to play for, for the university, for the school. And, and that being his school, obviously putting some emphasis on that. But we really, you know, it would have to be, one heck of a turnaround for Michigan State if they're going to come out and, and turn a 41-7 absolute beat down into a win over against a team that's receiving votes in both polls. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. You know, it's a uh, it's a it's a tall task, and again, you know that Michigan that Washington game last week. You know, uh, you you watched them. I mean, the first half was just really an onslaught. So um, I think it's just going to be really interesting. And like you know, you mentioned just kind of the discipline that he was kind of reinforcing, and just kind of maybe the, the 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 united front that the, he's trying to create with within that program now in the midst of all this the changes and whatnot. So um, it's going to be really interesting. Obviously, I think just uh, the kind of the biggest thing is obviously Maryland going on the road. But uh, again, this Michigan State defense, I think they, they do have a couple of pieces. Jordan Hall is another guy uh, in that defensive line that uh, they could kind of be another guy. But again, I think Barnett uh, just kind of with what, what he's trying to do there. Um, 
you know, again, you know, maybe in that locker room, he's kind of trying to quietly trying to turn the page and say, hey, you know, we put last week behind us. This is Big Ten play now. So, uh, again, I, I think it's going to be uh, very interesting to see how, especially how that first quarter, how they uh, come out firing. Yeah, I, I would think so. And, and last point on that is really – as a coach right now, you you almost in the best interest of your players, whether they're going to stay, whether they're going to leave, whatever the case is, you know, if they're out on the field and, and they're playing undisciplined football, if, they're, if they look lazy, if they look, you know, disengaged from the program as a whole, that's the first thing the coaches are coming on when those guys do opt to leave or, or they do opt to stay, you know, whatever their future holds for them, every game they put on on film, every practice they put on film, that's what you're evaluated on in this. And, and that's something that, you know, can't go with, out being said, if you're trying to do right by your players at this point, is there's plenty of guys that jump to that portal from a Power 5 team that don't get another opportunity or have to go down a level or whatever the case is. So when you talk about, you know, inspired football, disciplined football, I think there's there's certainly a lot to sell the players on the Michigan State side. It's just, you know, really if they buy it and, and, and what product goes out on the field the rest of the season. Yeah, and I think, you know, part of it, you know, um, I think you know. Obviously, it'd be interesting to see what the what the portal what what that would kind of look like. Uh, but I also wonder, you know, how many of them are like, hey, you know, it's not like I can hit the portal. What's the likelihood that you know I could I could transfer to a school back home and play the rest of the season? So you kind of wonder how much that also plays a factor into it. So obviously, like we said, the adopt outs and things like that. But yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. I think you know we we a lot of Maryland fans kind of looked at this is Michigan State game and said, hey, this is going to be that first real test to see you know, what kind of Maryland team that we have this year. Um, and I don't know that it really changes uh, this weekend because if Maryland's kind of able to take care of business and this should be, um, they, in my opinion, that they'll be able to cover. Yeah, let's talk about the Terps. You already mentioned it. Terps versus Terps might be the theme uh, of the day come Saturday as Locks loves to throw that phrase uh, around, especially this year. But uh, let's start off with the Maryland offense. Uh, Leah and company started to kind of get things together against Virginia and look look more like themselves. Uh, does that continue come Saturday at 3.30? Yeah, I think so. I think this Maryland offense, I just kind of think uh, with the skill positions and, and or excuse me, with the skill players that they have, uh, just kind of with Talia back, I think, it, again, it goes back to the offensive line. Uh, I think that the offensive line will, again, if will face its toughest test. Uh, I do think that there's going to be some some blue moments where, you know, Maryland's kind of overloaded. And I think it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, how, how they kind of adjust, you know, what the second tight end looks like, how the running backs look like. You know, Colby McDonald's, he's the guy that was kind of an asset in run protection a week or a year ago. Uh, Roman Hemby, has been a guy that's taken strides uh, over the last year uh, as that run blocker, or excuse me, that pass protector as well. Um, so I think that that'll kind of be, the, the biggest tale there, but I do think that Maryland's Keaty's success and uh, path to victory uh, will be through the air. Yeah, I'll, I'll circle a handful of guys that I, that I really think uh, you almost want to step up or, or that are going to get the opportunity to step up uh, over the next couple of weeks, but it starts, you know, th- their real moment, I guess, in the sun starts come Saturday, which is, you know, Ty Felton, Octavian Smith, Tyrese Chambers, guys that, you know, necessarily they were in rotations at Chambers at FIU. You know, he was the alpha dog, but now he's in Big Ten football. He's been injured. He's been banged up. You know, what do we see out of him? And then the other two guys, you know, they've been on the field for Maryland last year, but this is really their opportunity. They're, they're trying to break through in this rotation, really show that they are, you know, top of the line Big Ten wide receivers with a big time quarterback. So those kind of guys that, that haven't necessarily been in that role, maybe they've been on the field, but they weren't looked to to make a big play. Those are the guys you're looking to. And you mentioned that second tight end. I think that's a big look. Preston Howard obviously had his big catch and run 
uh, Friday night against Virginia. Rico Walker's been in different spots. He dropped a couple balls throughout throughout the season so far, but he's also made some bigger plays for Maryland. Who kind of eases into those roles now that the lights are on, now that they're on the road? You know, the worst, I think, crowd you can expect from Michigan State Saturday. The weather looks absolutely beautiful in East Lansing is, you know, between 60 and 70,000. So, you know, it's really going to be a true road environment, probably from some fans that are going to be fired up if Michigan State jumps out like many teams have on Maryland. But those guys, and, and it goes all the way down to those linemen, Corey Bullock um, and company down there that are really trying to show that they are true Big Ten linemen that that have a future in football. This is where that that journey starts. And I think the, the staff needs to make that clear to these guys. And, the, and they really have to start to show up and, and own their roles at this point. Yeah, I mean, I think that's justified. Um... You no, know, you mentioned Ty Felton. I think, you know, he's a guy, he's had opportunities. And I think, you know, um, he, again, he has that big playability where you can really just take the top off. You saw Talia really kind of look at him, leave on one or two deep balls last week. Um, you know, I think fans see it. Like the, you see the that that potential there. So um, it feels like it's just kind of a matter of time before he really does have that uh, big game. Uh, but we'll see. You know, Keaton Prather, I think he's a guy that's maybe kind of stepped up. Uh, and I think against this Michigan State secondary, that's kind of struggled a little bit. Charles Brantley is another guy who kind of got banged up a little bit uh, last week's game. Uh, so, you know, that kind of factors in as well. But, um, again, I think I think Maryland, especially their wide receivers, I just kind of think Deshaun Jones, I, I could very well see all of these guys finishing with 50, 60-plus rushing yards uh, on Saturday – or, excuse me, receiving yards uh, on Saturday. Um, again, I just think Maryland, uh, if, if they're kind of able to spread Michigan State's defense out, uh, that's probably the, the best-case best, best case scenario. Uh, I just think that, you know, you stack up. Michigan's or Maryland's skill players against that Michigan State secondary. And I just think, you know, you mentioned, um, you know, Rico Walker, Preston Howard, you know, Corey Deitch is another guy, you know, he, we haven't really seen a ton of him since week one. Um, and I'm kind of looking at him to really kind of break out, uh, be that playmaker that, you know, Maryland kind of expects him to be. So uh, it'll be, be kind of interesting. But again, I just think that Maryland has too many options for uh, Michigan State to slow down. Yeah, agree with that, especially, you know, skill position matchups. I think the Terps definitely clear advantage over Michigan State secondary. Let's talk about Maryland's defense. Uh, a, another one that a group that's, you know, really shined so far this year, in my opinion, when you go back and, and turn on uh, the tape, obviously some slow starts. What does Maryland see and, and are the Terps still hurting from some injuries in the secondary? Yeah, I mean, I'm Bo Braid, you know, he was um, battled injury last week. Um, and I think there was a chance maybe if the game was on Saturday, just that extra day, I, I could have seen him potentially giving it a shot, but um, missed Tuesday's practice. And last week, uh, since, you know, t the game was on Friday, Tuesday practice becomes Wednesday. And if you miss Wednesday's practice, that, that's a little bit tough uh, to, to kind of make the game there. Um, so I think, you know, obviously he's named the game captain. Uh, he was out at practice uh, for the opening portion on, on Tuesday, uh, leading Terp Jack. So, um, again, just kind of think him being named the game captain is kind of indicative of kind of what his his status should be for this weekend. Um, but again, you know, I thought Glenn Miller, he did look good last week. You know, I thought he, he might have looked a little bit better than Dante Trader. Uh, obviously, two different types of safeties. But, you know, I think Glenn Miller, just when he's on the field, especially in run support, uh, that that tackle that he made at the line of scrimmage uh, midway through the first quarter, I mean, just kind of a perfect, perfect example of the type of play that, you know, Glenn Miller just kind of really, really, really made a, a, a habit for in, uh, in his Maryland career. So, um, you know, I think, that, again, you know, Jaquan Shepard, Tarheep still, Tarheep still was able to bounce back uh, with a pair of interceptions last week. So uh, I think the defense, a lot of fans look at uh, the 14-0 deficits and, 
you know, look at the defense, especially the secondary, because in both games, you know, the secondary, there was a breakdown, miscommunication, uh, and that led to the big play, uh, whether it was the immediate touchdown or, you know, a subsequent play uh, one or two plays later. Uh, you know, it's kind of a moot point because, you know, the secondary just kind of has that room to grow. So I think, you know, uh, both of those guys, they'll, you know, we talked about that those Michigan State wide receiver trio. Uh, I think Tarheeb still uh, and Shepard will, will kind of get a chance to redeem themselves. But uh, I think just getting Bo Braid uh, again, again on that back line, I think it's just kind of huge for the secondary and um, really puts a, a confident, confident guy there uh, to, to kind of lead the unit. Yeah, a couple of things to watch for me this week. It, it's still that interior defensive line. I know for those of you that uh, watch us on our post-game pods here and Tuesday uh, podcasts, you know, you hear me constantly say our interior defensive line really needs to step up and show it. I think this is a team that's going to try and run the ball. Obviously, you're going to have to keep contain against Noah Kim. So still focused on Jordan Phillips, on Tommy Ankin-Vinsote, on Chai Chai Johnson, you know, what that rotation really looks like. And if Michigan State starts to get downhill running the ball, who kind of steps up for Maryland? Uh, in those spots. And then third, it's still a circle, you know, on on any depth chart that you try and make of this team right now, who is that nickel corner of, you know, of, of this team? Who's going to own that role? I really liked what they did with Gavin Gibson and Tarheeb still last week. Obviously, Corey Coley's still in the, in the mix. There's There's been plenty of guys run through in that position at this point, but it, it, Gavin Gibson one week better. I think that he, he really is, maybe he's not a nickel guy, but as a boundary guy and still can go play the nickel, I think that is probably the best case for the Terps. Yeah, I mean, I remember early last week there were a couple plays, consecutive plays where Kyle Wyatt made. Uh, and then I think, you know, later in the game, Gavin Gibson, consecutive plays where he really caught my eye. I think he's going to be a really good piece as well. And, you know, Jareep still, I think he's going to be a guy where he kind of factors in there as well. Uh, Bonte Williams, you know, we haven't really seen him too, too much yet. Uh, just when he kind of immerses himself into that rotation kind of remains to be seen. But um, you mentioned, you know, the interior defensive line and kind of getting the Jordan Phillips, Tommy Kimbasote, Isaiah Johnson to step up, you know, especially in those short yardage situations. You know, we've seen uh, Michigan State, you know, we talked about how they kind of struggle to establish the run. And obviously, you know, Loxley, if you ask that, um, he'll say, you know, Michigan State, they're going to put an emphasis on improving the run so that they can kind of uh, build on that this weekend. But um, those short yardage situations, you know, look, look at a guy like Trey Colbert, uh, who really fills the role of Henry Trebuzzi, uh a year ago where he was kind of in the rotation, but kind of was that that fourth lineman in those, you know, third and ones or those goal line packages. So um, it'll be kind of interesting to see uh, how, how frequently uh, he's kind of able to crack in more. And uh, Isaac Bunyan, he was a guy who was limited last week after he went down as well. Um, his status was a little bit unclear uh, during Tuesday's practice. So whether he's available uh, against Michigan State remains to be seen. And, you know, I think that's maybe a guy that kind of gets overlooked, but he, he plays a lot as well. So uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see if Goldberg is able to step up there. Yes. Yeah, so a couple of things to watch for the Terps defense. They certainly will take a road test uh, against Michigan State. Let's take a look around the conference. Big Ten play uh, getting going Friday night. Uh, well, not really getting going, obviously. that Now they have to throw a week one game in there, but in full swing, there's the right word for it. Um, this week, starting on Friday, uh, Friday night FS1 spot that the Terps had last week goes to Wisconsin and Purdue this week. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. I, I kind of like Purdue in this one. I, I feel like just I mean, Wisconsin just hasn't looked um, – They've just looked a little bit shaky to start the year, which uh, maybe is a little bit expected in year one, but uh, just not sure that I'm ready to ride with them on the road just yet. Kind of kind of wait and see mode. So uh, definitely Friday Night Lights uh, will be will be a fun one. 
Yeah, Badger six-point favorite. I really like Hudson Card and that Purdue team. Still struggling from, I guess, Purdue football syndrome where they, they just look like they're going to win and then and then just find a way to not win. But uh, elsewhere around the conference, Rutgers heads to Michigan. Michigan 24-point favorite. Um, I don't know how after watching this Rutgers team you could really think that they're going to lose to Michigan on the road by 24. But I guess Michigan out to prove themselves, don't want another early season scare like they had last year against Maryland. Yeah, I think it'll be kind of interesting. Obviously, this will be the first game with Harbaugh back on the sidelines as well. Um, Rutgers, you know, opening, I think they opened as a, a touchdown favorite against Virginia Tech and uh, ended up covering it. Virginia Tech looks awful this year. Um, you know, Rutgers, they, they do look improved. Uh, I don't know that, you know, I, that I, I could see Michigan kind of maybe pulling away. I could see it being maybe a 7-10 point game at halftime. Um, but but uh, I, I just think kind of, Harbaugh back, Big Ten opener at home. Uh, I think Michigan will eventually end up covering in this one. And J.J. McCarthy kind of struggled last week, so I could see him trying to, you know, a little chip on his shoulder going into this one. Yeah, two other big games in the conference, uh, both at night this week. Uh, Ohio State heads to the return trip to Notre Dame. Buckeyes three-point favorite uh, in South Bend. I really love this Sam Hartman-Notre Dame team, though. Yeah, I'm really intrigued by this Kyle McCord offense uh, led by at Ohio State. Uh, I think it'll be just really interesting to see, obviously, going into Ohio, into Notre Dame, a hostile environment. Um, it's going to be his first real big test. Uh, it's kind of hard to, to kind of pick against him, obviously, him hard there, uh, just kind of with the experience. I think that might be the factor uh, that, that, you know, that, that kind of tilts it in their favor. Uh, but, you know, I think it'll be really interesting to see kind of just kind of how, how McCord adjusts there. I think that kind of um, will will kind of really set the, the standard and kind of maybe set the bar for, you know, who will really be the, the Big Ten leader um, with the starter conference play. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I feel like we saw that classic Ohio State football moment where they look a little bit slow. They play that first game against Indiana. They don't look good. Then they come out the next week and they kind of look a little shaky. And then somewhere in that second quarter, I think the score went from like, 20 to 10 to 42 to 10 in eight minutes in the second quarter against uh, Western Kentucky this last weekend. So now what goes on from there? Who knows? I mean, it seems like every year Ohio state, everyone's like, they're finally slow. They don't have a quarterback, whatever the, whatever the case is. And suddenly somewhere in those first couple of non-conference games, they, they find the guy and then they just never look back. Now, Notre Dame's a, a tough, test for them I think that Notre Dame's gonna be looking back on last year where I think they're kind of embarrassed in the horseshoe and, and ready to go and, and Sam Hartman at this point looks like he's a real Heisman contender 13 touchdowns no interceptions over I believe he's over a thousand yards already passing on the season uh, I like the Irish but I, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State looks like Ohio State they just don't have quite enough yet with the young quarterback in there yeah I just think I just think the Irish will be kind of be able to just kind of throw McCord kind of off his, you know, off his rhythm a little bit. Um, just kind of a wait and see mode with that offense. But, uh, yeah, I'm kind of inclined to, to lean on Notre Dame there, but uh, I never put my money on Notre Dame. Last one before we talk about the Terps. Uh, whiteout this week in Happy Valley. Iowa heads in. Uh, Hawkeyes 14.5-point underdog going up against Penn State. Uh, I like the Cade McNamara-Iowa team. They've been doing me well in my picks this year so far. So I lean with the Hawks. I, I, I always love this game. Iowa going into Penn State for the Whiteouts, just such a traditional Big Ten game. Yeah, it definitely is. I think it'll be um, just a, a really good atmosphere. I think this Penn State defense, uh, I think it'll be kind of really interesting to see what, what they're able to do against Kate McNamara there. 
Um, I, I think 14 and a half, I, I could see, I could see Penn State being able to cover that. Um, I could see it maybe being a 10 point game at halftime and, and Penn State maybe, you know, kind of running away with it in the second half. Uh, just not, not as sold on this Iowa offense yet, just yet. And I think this Penn State defense just has a lot of pieces in the front seven. And then in the secondary, uh, they, they've got a, a couple really quality pieces, uh, future NFL talent as well. Uh, I think Penn State's going to uh, cruise in this one, honestly. Yeah, and I think that just in general, Big Ten talk, this is this is the game that I think Iowa has to have circled for Brian Ferentz and, and the offense yeah. and possibly Kirk Ferentz and, and everything that he's done for that program, but it, it's just not working anymore. And last week you started to see the flashes of it after a great Cyhawk win for Iowa earlier this year. It's just starting to look, again, like they're just running the ball. They're looking for play action. They're looking for the tight ends now. However – me saying that I'm just going to take Iowa in the 14 and a half. I do think that their defense is equally as Iowa classic good with uh, Parker as the defensive coordinator. I think they're going to be able to get in Drew Aller's face. I think they're going to be able to make the game close. Now they may lose it, you know, somewhere around the lines of 24 to three. That wouldn't surprise me, but for some reason, this game always goes down to the wire. It doesn't really matter if, you know, going back a couple of years to when Sean Clifford uh, got hurt at Iowa um, you know, the great game that Saquon Barkley, Penn State scored on the last play of the game to win. These two teams find ways to play great games at night on wherever the game is. So I, I don't think that really changes this year, but would not be surprised if Penn State pulls it out, just not by 14 and a half. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think, I think it's justified. I just think um, I think I think I'm pretty bullish just on what Penn State, especially with the running back tandem with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. Um, I, I just I, I don't know. I, I think Penn State just. Uh, I know Maryland fans hate to say it, but I think, uh, excuse me, hate to hear it. But I think Penn State just kind of has the makeup to kind of maybe disrupt uh, some of these Big Ten uh, elite there uh, with Michigan and Ohio State, obviously. So uh, mostly, obviously, you know, whiteout games always, you know, an electric atmosphere. So it'll be kind of interesting to see, you know, how, how Penn State kind of uh, adjusts. Obviously, they were able to kind of take care of Illinois last week. Uh, kind of hung around in the first half a little bit, went into the locker room 16-7 lead. Um, so so we'll see. Uh, obviously, it will be like we talked about with uh, Kyle McCord over at Iowa State. This is going to be Drew Aller's really his big first test and kind of gets the benefit of the doubt a little bit just with it being at home. And that also kicks off the Big Ten's night games on CBS for those of you that are paying attention to the new TV deal the Big Ten has. Uh, the Terps. Let's talk about this. Uh, probably one of the spreads that's moved the most in the country up to this point. Consensus, anywhere you look, between four and a half and five and a half point open. Maryland favored in that. Now the consensus, seven and a half. Looking around, that that's where the number is everywhere at this point. Maryland, a seven and a half point favorite. Ahmed, uh, do you see the Maryland uh, taking it and laying the points? Yeah, I actually, full disclosure, I do have Maryland six and a half already locked in. Um, the line was moving so fast and I said, you know what, within a touchdown, I think they'll be able to do that. And you know what, I think if Maryland also do think if they cover, um, you know, I kind of said it earlier a little bit, but I think if they cover, that's kind of also proof of, I want to say a successful, you know, first road win in the big 10 this year. Um, you know, because I think if you're able to win by at least seven in Michigan's at Michigan state, um, you know, again, you know, this is a Michigan state team, especially with the start of big 10 play, they're getting, um, punched in the mouth last week against Washington, humiliated in that first game. Yeah, I do kind of expect them to, you know, maybe come out, maybe a little bit energized. So I think Maryland coming out to that fast start, I think being able to sustain that for 60 minutes, um, 
again, I think Maryland is the better team on paper. Uh, I think this Maryland offense will be able to um, score and, and find find the holes in this Michigan State defense, the secondary. Um, I think Maryland's defense, especially that front seven, especially off the edge, you know, Calvin Wyatt's been able to flash, Danelle Brown. He's, you know, it's kind of hard to miss him when he's on the field, I think. Um, but I just think there's, there's the pieces to, to kind of make this offense, the Michigan State offense, a little bit one-dimensional. So um, I do think that Maryland can cover now. Again, you know, it's first road game, especially in the Big Ten. Winning on the road is hard, especially in the Big Ten. So, um, you know, I, I do I do definitely expect Maryland to win this, uh, but I do already have my money where my mouth is. And uh, six and a half, I, I have comfortably. Um, seven and a half, that's that extra point there. So not sure that I'll, I'll move in on that one just yet, but uh, I, I do think that Maryland will be able to. Uh, six and a half, they, they will be, be able to get. No, at six and a half, I dropped the topic over and inside the black and gold. And, and the consensus, Ahmed, was pretty much what you just laid out for right. us, which is it's clear Vegas is always – they always know. They, they have just the best beat and insider look on sports. And when you start to see the line move, that means there's big money flowing on Maryland. That means that there's a lot of confidence in Maryland, and, and I'll have to go with that. I, I would take Maryland still at seven and a half. I just – did not really like what I heard from the Michigan State media coverage this week. Didn't really like what I heard necessarily from the questions in the press conference. Now, when coaches change, I'm always one of those people that thinks you either go way up, like team gets amped up, gets ready to go, and immediately shows out better than they were before. Or you see the other side of that, which is things go downhill and they go downhill in a hurry. I think that's where Michigan State is uh, at the moment. I think Maryland wins. Actually, I think Maryland wins and they win big. Uh, this week, I think the Terps just are able to kind of pour it on. Michael Penix threw for like 375 and four touchdowns. I don't think Leah's having quite the year that Michael Penix is having, but the Terps definitely have wide receivers akin to what Washington's got on their roster. Uh, I think Maryland rolls big in this one. I'll take it Terps 34 uh, 17. Yeah, I think that's valid. I definitely, I mean, you know, to Leo recorded his 13th uh, career 300 yard passing game last week, uh, I could. Definitely envision uh, a 14 or excuse me, number 14 this weekend as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, again, I, I think Maryland's going to get it. Uh, I think just kind of with, with them. Again, I, I just think, again, we, we talked about it, but it's Terps versus Terps. And I think if this Maryland team is the, the team that, you know, we've heard about all offseason, then it, it shows up on, on Saturday. Yeah, a couple of quick props on this one. Terps uh, points. 30 and a half is the number for Maryland. I already gave my score prediction of 34. So I'm on the oversight of it. Ahmed, what are you thinking? Yeah, I I'm leaning actually right over. Um, I, I've kind of landed on 31 right there. Um, so I do think it's, it's going to hit. Uh, I just think, again, I have a lot of confidence in this passing attack. Same question on the MSU side, Michigan state 21 and a half, uh, the number for Michigan state's offense. Yeah, you know what? I'm actually gonna, you know, circle back on that seven and a half now, and I think I've convinced myself on it because I don't think Michigan State's gonna be able to score uh, two plus touchdowns. So uh, on twenty and a half, I'm gonna take the under on that. I just think, um, especially like we, you know, we kind of talked about it earlier in the show, but just Maryland's defense, um, you know, last year, you know, much was made of the first to second half adjustments. And now it's kind of, you know, you go to those 14 hole deficits, you know, how quickly can they adjust? And you know, this, the defensive staff 
has a lot of really bright minds. Obviously, Brian Williams is getting a lot of praise, but, you know, Lance Thompson, he's a really good guy. Zach Spavital does really well. Henry Baker, um, you know, all the secondary guys that went into the NFL the last couple of years, Baker's played a really big part in there. So uh, I think it's kind of a testament to all of these guys kind of really being able to find those adjustments. So, um uh, I, I just don't know that Michigan State does have that firepower to be able to kind of find sustained success. Um, so, yeah, uh, Mich- Michigan State under the 20 and a half. Um, yeah, uh, I like that. And last one, I, I got to throw it out there. It's my least favorite thing in sports betting, the over-under on the game. 53 and a half is the consensus right now, according to Action Network. It's anywhere between 52 on DraftKings right now and 54 some places. Um that's a real tough one. I mean, my score prediction would indicate that I guess I'm on the underside of it right now, and and, and I'll stick with that. Yeah, I'm I'm under just because I'm, I'm not confident that Michigan State will be able to put enough. I I could see. I mean, I like I said, I have Maryland at 31 points, low 30s. It's kind of that that range where you know kind of feel pretty comfortable at. But you know, I'm not sure Michigan State will be able to produce 17 plus 20 plus. Uh, just not that confident in that and. Really more confident in this Maryland defense. Yeah, couldn't agree with that more going into Michigan State. So Ahmed and I both pretty much have the same game uh, picked out for the Terps, which is a win over Michigan State. We'll be back here on the pod post-game. I don't think either of us are making the trip this week to East Lansing. I definitely looked at it, I think, three times this week, but but decided to sit this one out. Michigan State, one of the few places uh, in the Big Ten I have not been to yet. But we'll coverage here post-game. Make sure to keep up with the game thread and subscribe to Inside the Black and Gold for all the Insider Terps coverage that you could want in this world. And Ahmed sure has a lot of it over there on Inside the Black and Gold. Uh, For Mason Viner and Ahmed Gafir, as always, like, comment, subscribe on the podcast. And thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.